Welcome to the Exponential Podcast, where we help you live the life of a multiplier. Our mission is to empower you to take your life, leadership, and impact to the next level. In each episode, we'll explore strategies and insights to help you multiply your influence and calling in the world for Jesus. Today's episode is from Exponential 2023's Global Conference in Orlando, where we brought together some of the world's top leaders and innovators to share their insights and expertise. To experience more conversations like this, be sure to check out our upcoming events at Exponential.org. My name is Ben, just by way of introduction. Um, I've gotten to plant a few churches in uh, in and around Dallas-Fort Worth area, Texas. Um, and then, just by God's grace, I've gotten to work for a few different church planter networks across primarily North America. We do some stuff in, in Australia as well. I was about to say North America, also Canada, but that counts actually in North America. So, um, and, uh, and and a lot of our work uh, through an organization that I lead called the Equipping Group is, is everyday mission, everyday evangelism, everyday discipleship kind of stuff. Um, and so this topic um, is is just a hundred percent my heartbeat. Um, how does the gospel sound like good news to any human in any generation? Um, but specifically for today, we're going to ask the question. Some of you are in Gen Z, so you can teach us. And so please, let's be interactive around this. Um, I'm really, I don't know how to create more space. There's folks looking in. Uh, there's a standing spot way back here. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to roll with it if that's okay. And y'all can help people find different people. So. Um, let me pray for us. Father God, I pray that you would be our teacher today um, and that your spirit would uh, move in, in a way that, that does call maybe even us back to believing you as good news. Um, and, and God, would you help us uh, to pay attention to open doors in our lives? Would you help us to pay attention to relationships and to moments uh, where you would have us share your gospel as truly good news? Amen? Amen. Okay, so I want to start with this. Uh, there's a, a quote that, that just came out. There's a, 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 The Atlantic is not a Christian publication, but Dr. Tim Keller, uh, who is a somewhat well-known teacher-preacher in New York City, uh, wrote in The Atlantic, um, and again, I'm going to read this. If you want the slides, and especially if you can't see them, my email's up here, and I'm happy to send these to you afterwards. Uh, if it's something super critical, I'll just... <laughs> Super high tech here. Look, the TV moves. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so uh, this is this is Keller in the Atlantic. He says the Pew Research Center recently projected the future of this trend, and and what is the trend? The trend is that as of 2021, the number of religious nuns. We know this term, people who don't identify with, with any religion, uh, has grown to nearly 30% of the population, while professing Christians are at 63%, down 12 points from just a decade ago. Um, so, his question is, can Christianity grow again? His answer, thank God, is yes, it can. That's good news, right? Um, even the Pew Report concedes that, quote, events outside of the study's model could lead to revival of Christianity. And so he talks about immigration patterns or religious innovations. But then he says, first, and I think he says this is first for a reason, as I see it, growth can happen, can we say this together? If the church learns how to speak compellingly to non-Christian people. If the church learns how to speak compellingly to non-Christian people. Um, let's have a little bit of a conversation here. In a lot of our Christian circles, a lot of our church circles, what does sharing the gospel look like? Like what image does that conjure in your mind? Just shout it out. What's that look like? Testimony. Testimony? Yeah, here's my story. What else? 
asking Jesus into your heart. Yeah, telling someone, ask, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Okay. Any others? Are you saved? Yeah. Some cold call knocks on the door maybe, right? Sometimes it feels very forced. Your leg's broken. You know, else is broken. Your heart, you need Jesus kind of thing. It's like, whoa, that feels really, really bold. Uh, maybe not the best way to work. Um, and a lot of the ways that, that we may have been taught, and, and again, I'm, I'm in, in the American South, so this is part of my story, some of the ways that we were taught, maybe you have been taught to share the gospel, is a specific set of empirical truths such as a few specific verses from Romans. That, if we're honest, feels like a lot of pressure. What if I get, the, what if I get him out of order? What if I land on the sin one? Oh, crap, now I've messed it completely kind of thing. Or some, some, some truths or some laws or this kind of stuff that, that if, I don't, if I don't say this rightly, has anybody felt this? I'm going to misrepresent God. I'm going to let him down. And I've probably further pushed this person away from the good news that I'm trying to share. And, and so in my experience, again, getting to, to work a lot on, on training folks to share the gospel in everyday ways, one of, the most, one of the most common themes that I hear is it just feels like so much pressure. It feels like so much pressure. I want to add to that the fact that many of those ways that we've been taught to share the gospel don't actually answer the questions that maybe people in your own generation, whatever that may be, are asking, but they definitely aren't answering the questions that folks in the, the rising generations are asking. Because um, a lot of the focus of sharing the gospel in Gen X, Boomer, again, just like our history, I don't, I don't love like bifurcating generations, to be clear, but, but, but there is... There is a change. There is something nuanced about even folks today in any generation than 10 years ago. So we can even broaden a little bit and think of that lens. A lot of the content or a lot of the focus on sharing the gospel that many of us have been taught is what? Heaven, hell, eternity, life after death. You know who's not thinking about life after death right now? Statistically, anyone under the age of 53. Unless they have some specific reason. Like, there's, there's exceptions to every rule, right? Like, they go through a tragedy, someone in their family, they have something. But, but statistically, folks in their 40s under, like, life after death doesn't actually sound like good news. Because I don't care about life after death. And, and so we have to ask this question, how does the gospel actually sound like good news? Uh, this, this was what uh, Dr. Gray said a little bit. Um, Downstairs is going. How does the gospel sound like good news? Not just not just fire insurance. I want to ask you, and, and you can either answer this out loud or just ask it in your head. If someone just to ask you, what is the gospel even? Do you have an answer to that? Do you know what the gospel is? Because if we're going to share something, we got we got to at least know it. We say we believe in this. We say it's good news. We play this game in our church, and, and uh, we do this about once a quarter. We'll just pause kind of in the middle of a gathering um, and just say, okay, we say that Jesus' death is good news, right? Why is it good news? And I'd be curious. Does anybody have an answer to that? Why is Jesus' death good news? We say it's good news. Why is it good news? My fears, my worries, my anxieties, my doubts. Yeah. Um, my existence yeah. only has value through the blood of Christ. Yeah. That God is the only relationship in life 
dissects me for who I am, how I am, where I am at any given moment. Yeah. I don't have to, after I dress or I think <laughs> to earn his acceptance of me. Sure. That's one thing that I you know, have encountered, especially working with youth, mm-hmm. anyone, yeah. is that you say that they're not preparing, they're not thinking of life after death, but on a daily basis, they think about death because they quickly have traded their significance, mm. only found in, in God through Christ yeah. for acceptance. Yes. Yes. It's a really good answer. Yeah, yeah. Let's come up. So acceptance. Right. Yeah. That's a really, really deep answer. I'm going to cut you off for the sake of moving on, but that's a really, really good answer. And can you give him a hand? He's just like, that's really beautiful. Um, a lot of times when we do this in our church, someone will go like, so why is the death of Jesus really good news? Like, well, he covered my sins. You go, well, why is that really good news? It's like, well, I couldn't, I, I couldn't pay them off otherwise. Okay, well, why is it good news that someone paid them off? And you just kind of go, why, why, why? And what happens is we go like, oh man, it's, it's really beautiful. And there's some things that I haven't thought of before that, that she said or that he said or, or things I've, 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 I've forgotten and been reminded of. And we'll do the same thing. Like, what about, well, why is Jesus' life good news? Because is Jesus' life part of the gospel? Mm-hmm. His perfect sinless life that made him the worthy substitute and, and the example for us? Yeah. Why is that good news? Well, he lived perfectly. Why is, why is it good news he lived perfectly? He's the one to follow. And, and just, just playing out for us, do we actually know why it's good news? Yeah. Do we know the, the gospel? So I want to submit that the A version of what the gospel is, is Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and reign that redeems us and is reconciling the whole world. That is, that is part of it. Now, you could probably pick that apart. We could all probably pick our, our, our specifics apart. But, but something about that says the gospel is more than just maybe the one thing that we've been taught that it is. And I just feel compelled, maybe because someone in the room, there, there's, we're going to talk about ways to share the gospel. God also works however God wants. Right, uh, my wife was saved at a junior high youth camp from a stage speaker. Uh, there, there's one of my best friends was saved like an angry person yelling in downtown Fort Worth outside of a movie theater, and in that moment, God happened to work and save. Um, so, God can do anything. However, for most of us, that's not going to be our experience, right? So, the gospel that we share, I want to submit many times, sounds like a historic reality. Mm, historic reality. The gospel is something that happened in the past, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a literal historic thing. Jesus did live, did die, was raised. Like that's past history. And for anyone who calls yourself follower of Jesus, it's also part of our personal past. Like there was a moment where God, through the Spirit, helped us believe that because of the work of Christ, we're, we're not in darkness, we're in light. We're, we're not dead, we're alive. That's, for anyone who, who follows Jesus, that's part of our personal past, right? And praise God, the gospel is a historical thing. It is part of our past. But, if I can be a little bit tongue-in-cheek about it, the gospel that many of us know how to proclaim says the gospel is something that happened in the past that greatly benefits my future. And that's it. Like, I don't have to go to hell. For the record, that sounds like good news. right? So we're not saying these are not true. It is really good news. Uh, we get to be with God and restored to our perfect relationship. For, like that's, that's really good news. But if it's just past and future, what's missing? 
unless we're saved on our deathbed, there's at least a few minutes between that moment where God brings us from death to life and, and where we get to go meet him. And so one of the lenses, maybe a starting point lens, I'll turn the TV here in a sec, um, is to see the gospel, to understand, which, which is what the, the scriptures teach it, the gospel as something that is a historic reality that does benefit my future and also impacts every single moment of my everyday life. Because you know what folks in Gen D are thinking about all the time? Secret, you know what the thing you're thinking about most of the time is as well? If we don't know how the gospel applies to right now, this relationship, this conflict, this tension, if we don't know how Jesus perfect life and sacrificial death and miraculous resurrection and current and coming reign change the way that I parent my kids? Like, it's, it's for us as well. Do we believe the gospel matters for our present life as well? Um, and so I want to go to, if you have a Bible or an app, go to Colossians 4. Because um, I just want to share a general principle that kind of applies to, to this generation as well as others. But it's basically starting by moving from the gospel being just past and future to seeing the gospel as good news for past, present, and future. And again, y'all are taking pictures. I'm happy to email you the slides if that'd be easier. If you want to take pictures, that's great. Just tell all of us up here we'll smile. That'd be great. Um, so here, here's the claim. As you turn to Colossians 4, there are dozens of ways to speak the one objective gospel. There's one Jesus, there's one good news, one life, death, resurrection, right? There's dozens of ways to speak that one objective gospel into people's subjective situations. Is that fair? So I want to ask you a question. What made the gospel sound like good news to you? And and I'll share for me, I was was, uh, raised in a religious tradition. Um, I was a youth pastor starting at age 18. I think I discovered that Jesus was actually good news for me two years later. For the record, that's not for you who are hiring. Don't do that. Um, But I think God used teaching the Bible to middle schoolers and high schoolers as part of the story of redemption. So I'm really grateful for ministry. Um, I was too young and not saved to be in ministry, but, you know, God used that. But, But I was walking across my university campus, and it just the thought hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm so dissatisfied. I was wrestling because I'd been looking for satisfaction in just about everything but spiritual things, primarily in leadership positions, which is just the nice way of saying controlling other people, um, and in relationships with women in my university, and that's also like a very nice way to say that. Um, so I had been looking for satisfaction, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Through Christ, God promises satisfaction. If Jesus is real, he should matter to all of life. And and for you, you're like, yeah, I get that. For 20-year-old me, it was like a revolutionary thing I never thought of before. So that what made the gospel sound like good news to me was satisfaction. Now, is that the entirety of what Jesus accomplished in his life, death, resurrection, and reign? No. But for where I was at, the question that I was asking, that angle of the gospel sounded like good news. I'm curious, it's just maybe a couple of you will share what made the gospel sound like good news to you. Belonging. Belonging. Yeah. Is that good news? Yes. Belonging for folks who don't feel like they belong? Is it the entirety of what Jesus said? No, but what does he do? He calls us to himself and calls us into a family. You have a place to belong. Thank you. Anybody else? Purpose. 
purpose. Oh, you both said purpose at the same time. Like, that's of the spirit right there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Purpose, especially if you feel like you don't have a purpose. A second chance. A second chance. That's real good. Hope. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Internal and external. There's a lot that says. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Identity. Identity. It's good. Yes. I was just going to say that it was kind of strange for me at 19 on a hitchhiking trip across the country. Um, I just stopped at an uncle. He didn't really preach, did he? Mm. He just took us to a Christian coffee shop one night and then just asked us, wouldn't you girls like to give your life to God? Hmm. Um, he just asked that question. But, yeah, age 19, wouldn't you like to give your life to God? And the Spirit said, yeah, you should. You should do that. <laughs> That's great. There's, I don't know, I don't know, 4,000 of us in this tiny room. Like, we'd have 4,000 different stories of, of what sounded like good news. And yet, somehow, even knowing that for ourselves, we think, if I don't say it exactly like this, if I don't present the entire gospel, or if I don't get to, to eternity fire insurance is how it was put downstairs kind of stuff like then somehow I've missed it but but re- the reality is everyone around us has different stories different experiences and again most folks are asking what does this mean today what is what is tomorrow I don't really care about tomorrow frankly what is what is today hold so Colossians 4 Paul says this um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with Josh downstairs he said there's only one place in the New Testament where Paul talks about how he shared the gospel here's the other one um, <laughs> so he, Paul's in prison at the time um, he's writing to his friends at Colossae um, and he says uh, at the same time he says hey, I'm going to pray for you at the same time pray also for us Colossians 4 starting in verse 3 that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. Pray that God would help me make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So I'm convinced that one of the reasons we don't know how to share the gospel is because we're not relying on the Spirit to help us see opportunities in front of us to share the gospel. And again, that's true in general, but especially if you're not part of a specific generation like Gen Z, then some of the lies that can creep in is why would they want to listen to me? What do I have? What if I push them further away? This kind of stuff. And, and, and so I would, if you take nothing else out of this other than realizing that's been a long time since I've prayed that God might open a door. Maybe that's why you're here today. Um, there's some common open doors. Okay, Praying for open doors is where it starts. Uh, listening well to others. Um, you know who's not listened well to? Any human, actually, is not listened well to. Um, but especially in doing some think tanks with, with Gen Z, um, they talk about, and again, some of you are in this, so you can af- affirm some of this, um, in a world that is only public image, all I want is for someone to deeply know who I am. Um, in a world that is all about what is next and popular and likes and clicks and this kind of stuff, that's right, yeah. Then, then all I want is to be known deeply. Uh, Christians, for the record, are not known for listening to others well, especially if they don't follow Jesus, except to what? Tell you why you're wrong and berate you for it, essentially. And there's some of that that's overstated. There's some of that that, that if you ask non-Christian friends, that is their perspective of why Christians listen, is so they can we, we can turn around and tell us why we're wrong. Um, 
there's there's a searching in Gen Z for something stable. There's, there's a, a return to the kind of more liturgical traditions right now because there's something that feels stable and regular, and I know what I can expect when I walk into a room because all the rest of life feels like utter chaos. It's a constant, constant, constant mantra. This feels chaotic. This feels so fast-paced. I feel unknown. If we listen and pause, then just showing that level of care matters so deeply and richly. That could be an open door. Um, Interestingly, one of the things that has come out of the last couple years and all the division and all the everything um, is people are, are... I wonder if this window's closing back up a little bit. But over the last couple of years, people have seemed very, very, very much more willing to share their opinion on anything and everything. (laughs) Whereas before, it was kind of the right, you know, societal thing to do to go like, I'll believe this, but that's just me. It's still just, hey, my view's right, but but the shift is, and I'm going to tell you all about it. And with that also comes... A, a, a vastly increased openness to go, what do you think about this? Even if it's only so that once we tell them what they think, they can tell us why we're wrong, there's still a moment there to to have a normal conversation. Right? Um, what are things that you care about? Family? Friends? Uh, Jesus? Best restaurant? Did you find a really good place to eat last night? When we first pulled into Orlando, like you want to tell people about it if it's real good, right? Like the, the, the things that we say are important are things that we, oops, I skipped a slide there. Uh, the things that we say are important are the things that we share about and care about. And so also as we listen to folks, if we're listening with a good open ear, we can hear things like, and I'll turn the TV real quick, we can hear things like where, where are people finding their identity? What, what is shaping their life? Because you know what God says shapes our life? God. You know what else shapes our life if we're not believing that? Anything and everything but God. And so no one's going to walk up and be like, you know what I'm finding my identity in today is what my boss thinks of me. But if over and over and over and over again, what you hear is complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint about someone's boss. And again, this isn't just Gen Z. This may be you. <laughs> you, you know what we're finding our identity in? Is is what somebody else says your primary story is. Uh, pain and disappointments. What's, what or whom is letting you down? Uh, great amounts of fear. I had a, a, a friend who's, uh, he, he's, he's lowest on the uh, pilot chart at one of the major U.S. airlines, and he stepped into being a pilot. He finally, you know, all of his hours, all of his stuff got hired in February of 2020. Wow. Quit his job, you know, had done all the work. Now he's a commercial pilot. Um, you know who was furloughed in February 2020, March 2020? A whole lot of pilots. So he was terrified. Got three kids, wife at home. He was the primary earner. He was terrified. And we were talking outside one day, multiple feet apart, of course. Even though I live in Texas, we didn't really have COVID. Um, <laughs> A lot of people got real sick, but it wasn't that. Couldn't have been. Um, <laughs> but we, he, he goes, I'm, I'm so afraid of what's going to happen to my family. I'm so, I'm terrified of being furloughed. After all, we put all of our eggs in this one basket. Yeah, that's that's valid, right? 
Um, and he goes, what, what do you do with that? And I said, well, I'm not you, but I remember a time that I lost my job and I've, I've sat in your fear with, I've sat in the same kind of thing you're, you're sensing. Yours is worse. I didn't have kids at the time, but, but I, I resonate a little bit. And what happened a few months later is I, I, I was offered a job that ended up being like the most perfect fit and didn't pay any more, but, but it was a really good opportunity. And, and what I told him is I believe that there's a God who's in control and is loving and had me step out of something that I didn't want to step out of so that I could have an opportunity to step into something he wanted me to be in. Mm-hmm. Now, it, again, that's not the entirety of the gospel. I didn't say, do you want to put your faith in that God in that moment? But I did say, have you ever had a situation like that? And he said, well, yeah, actually, like when I first came out of the military, I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and and through that, I got invited into this pilot training program. And he's like, I've, I've, I, I guess I could see how you believe that that was God who gave you that opportunity. Maybe that maybe God gave me that opportunity. And I said, okay, if you, if you, if you believe that, like, do you think that if, you, if, if you're saying there might be a God and you're saying he took care of you once before, could you ask him to take care of you again? And he goes, I think I could do that. And, and so and here's, here's the tension of this, because the danger of all this is we turn people into projects, right? And the danger of that is like, hey, I stepped through the open door, now i got to seal the deal. In that moment, I didn't feel like I was supposed to take the conversation any further. I didn't feel like it was the right moment to say, will you declare your need for Jesus and fall on your knees and... and uh, in that moment, I, did, I didn't sense in my spirit. But, but since this, you know, three years ago now, every time he has a question about something in his life or something that trends spiritual, it's like, hey, pastor, come here. I've got a question for you. I'm not his pastor. He doesn't have a pastor. But I'm his neighborhood pastor. <laughs> because I, I, I stepped through a little bit of an open door and listened to his fear, longings, hope. People share these things if we just have the ears to hear them. So again, would we pray for open doors to receive the mystery, to, to, to listen to what people are saying. Can I ask a question? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, um, amongst Gen Z, um, mm-hmm. against the millennials and Gen X in a way, one of the disappointments would have been the church. Mm-hmm. Is that also true of Gen Z, or is it more likely that they just had never been there? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm curious to know, I mean, there's folks who would say they're Gen Z, or like they're a little bit older than that, but you want to pretend for the sake of your age that you're Gen Z. Um, so I, I'd be honestly curious. This is a workshop. We're all doing this together. I'd be curious. Like, is there a negative view of the church, or is there just an unawareness of the church? And again, like that's a broad swath question. But for those of you who are part of Gen Z, work with Gen Z. What, yeah. What, what is the what is a Gen Z view of the church? Is it offended by the church, or is it just completely kind of unaware because there's not been any association with it? Because the upper generation hasn't taken Gen Z to the church. What would you say? Offended. Offended, absolutely. Offended by the church. Yeah, I think it's like offended and like not caring. Not okay. Indifferent. Offended and indifferent. Yeah. Agnostic toward the church. Yeah. Yeah. An unneed for the church. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Why are you offended by the church? This could be a long conversation. <laughs> There's, there's one church, uh, there's, there's one leader who basically, and tell me if I'm, I'm onto something here. He said essentially like guilty by association. 
that even if there's some churches that are really well-meaning, the stereotype of the church and what's publicly seen of the church is nothing that people want to be a part of. And so all Christians, all churches, are therefore guilty by association. Is that a fair... I know know it's like way not nuanced, but is that a fair way to say that? Very hypocritical. Very hypocritical. I think it's also parents. Parents? Parents being hypocritical? Kids are seeing their parents and yeah. saying, well, if that is what Christianity is, and that's what the church is, yeah. why would I want that? Yeah, yeah. Which, and I want to I go back to this and say, like, if, I don't know if I can go back. Can I go back? I can go back. Look at that. Um, a lot of these things, identity, pain and disappointment, fears, longings and hope, uh, have some relationship with, with the church as well. Um, and so where older generations and even kind of common, more Christendom thinking in, in, in some of America, at least, it was part of an identity to be involved in a church. That this is part of the, the positive message. I would wager to say if you asked most every person of a younger generation, they would say that is not a positive thing I want to associate myself with. Fair? Again, there's exceptions to every rule. There's nuance. Where does a lot of pain and disappointment come from? The the hypocrisy that we just saw. Fears, longings, and hope for something better. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, look, I'm, I'm millennial. Okay. But with my, with my uh, interactions with Gen Z, what I, what I have experienced for the most part is that the issue comes in with what is said to be Christian mm-hmm. versus what actually is yeah. to be yeah. a yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there is this view that you say you're Christian, but you're doing the same thing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So why do I need that God? Yeah. Right? And so there's a lot of you're not living what you're preaching. Yes. And so why do I want to follow that? Yeah. If, I, if you're doing it and I'm doing it, yeah. then I should, I should be fine. Yeah. And so I think that that's a lot of what Gen Z deals with is that they're looking for a realness mm-hmm. to say that if you're going to say you're different, be different. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to say yeah, that that's you right. don't particular way, live that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, interestingly, like, that's not just Gen Z. Like, that's everybody wants an authentic expression of a follower of Jesus Christ. It's just so much more audible and noticeable when all of everybody's life is lived online and every question is able to be asked, and, and that just perpetuates so much more quickly. So I really appreciate that. The, we'll come back to the authenticity in just a minute. Yeah. I think also with schools. Mm-hmm. With schools. Like just teaching of um, science and um, you know, creation mm-hmm. and, uh, and evolution. Yeah. Kids are taught one thing in school, but then they come home, and then they get another thing in church. Mm-hmm. Well, who do you take that to? Yeah. Like, it's your parents. Well, but what do your parents are like? Not well with the scripture. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of the authenticity is tied to like I I need to figure this out myself, mm-hmm. right? So part of I, I want to be accepted, but I want to be accepted for exactly who I am without being asked to change on some level. Mm-hmm. One thing that that can lead to as a view of Jesus, and again, this is from a lot of like think tanks and research and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but there's a, a common view that has stuck with me that says, I like Jesus from afar as one option of a spiritual advisor. But once I actually get to know some of what he says, then I'm actually confronted with, will I follow him or not? Yeah. 
Well, I, and, and but here's the thing: some would say no, he's too restrictive, he's too blah blah blah. But others will say, I want that, but I don't see it in his followers. Mm-hmm. And, and so again, some of this question, like, is the gospel still good news? Yes, yes, it is. But the methods that it's heard the perspective of those who are sharing it don't make it look like good news. The gospel is always good news. The gospel is good news. It's just complicated. And it's always complicated. It's always offensive. We're told that. But let the gospel be the the offensive aspect, not those who are trying to, to proclaim it living differently than the message. Yeah, it's like a person can offend you, but the gospel shouldn't offend you. Yeah, yeah, the person... The gospel should offend you. The person should not offend you. Is that what you're saying? But that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. Right. Yeah. We're, we're not even getting to the point where we know if the gospel offends yeah. people because we've built this wall of hypocritical people around yeah. it, and that looks more offensive. So authenticity and, and all of the things you mentioned. There's this really interesting... There's a lot, like loads of different takes on Asbury Revival. But one of the most interesting perspectives of, or if you don't like the word revival, then whatever, put that in. A lot of people worship for a really long time, and Simpsons seems to be stirring that this only the Spirit can produce. So the, whatever that is in Kentucky, um, a, a, a student at Asbury um, wrote this really poignant post. I think it's only on Facebook. Uh, but, but in it, he said, I find it interesting that God would mark this outpouring with something this generation needs. Because he looked back at other outpourings, and like in, in whether it was Toronto or Azusa, or whatever, like is God powerful? And then all of a sudden, like people are speaking in tongues, and like in that generation, like there's there's a, a question that people are asking that God somehow pours out something that says, "Yeah, I am." But this is what he said. I, this is just super insightful, and I'm not Gen Z, so I'm going to put in my glasses to read. Um, <laughs> He said, I find it interesting, this is a student who's experienced this, that God would mark this outpouring with, one, a tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness. An authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. A leadership emphasizing protective humility in relationship with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power and a focus on participatory adoration in an age of digital distraction. I I think it's only on Facebook. So you can find this guy on Facebook and if we all do it at the same time, he'll think it's super weird. But his name's Madison Pierce and he's a student at Asbury. (laughs) Please don't everybody friend him right now. Um. There's something about that that says the gospel's good news and God met them in their need for the questions they were asking. And I think for us, the same question is in front of us. Are we willing to say, I want to listen. I want to learn. I want to get to know you. Again, yeah, God uses the stage people, sure, but most of us aren't going to have that opportunity. So on our couches and stoops and in our yards and this kind of stuff, are we willing to listen and go, hey... For, for all the anxiety here, there's a non-anxious presence that I can both model for you and also point you to. A less anxious presence than even the non-anxious presence I'm trying to be for you right now. Um, and, and this gets a little bit to the, to the other part of, of Colossians 4, 
So again, he'd, he'd say, hey, will you pray for me? Pray that uh, God would open doors, that I can declare the mystery of the faith. He says, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Then he encourages them, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And I love this. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now again, graciousness, slow to speak, making the best use of the time, sees it we like we don't talk about salty language except for it actually means like the other the other direction now like like say salty language kind of stuff um, but you know what salty language meant at this point like what does it mean to have speech that's seasoned with salt makes things better it's it's sees it's tasteful it's taste it, it preserves yeah we're speaking preserving words but it's, it's tasteful and who's it tasteful to not the person speaking necessarily. Are the words, are the ways we talk about Jesus tasteful? Winsome might be a, a way that we would say it today. But then I love this. And some of your Bibles say that so that you may know how to answer all people. The, the literal says answer every person. Answer each person. And that, that matters. Because again, every one of us in the room and everyone who does follow Jesus and everyone who doesn't follow Jesus and everyone who used to and then the deconstructed following Jesus, everyone has a unique story, unique pain, unique longings. And so the questions that we're asking, the questions that, that individuals within Gen Z are asking give us an opportunity to share the gospel to, as if it's actually good news to that specific person because here's a secret a little misnomer for this session there's not one way to share the gospel with all of gen z (laughs) because turns out each person is asking a different question in a different moment um i had a friend who was a night security guard one of these big like warehouse facilities like 2 a.m one night another friend came to him a couple years ago and said his name's nick he said nick i hear you're a christian and nick's like crap like he's like i know he wasn't asking me so you could give me a high five and tell me great job like it was i was about to be challenged so 2 a.m guy goes i do drugs what would jesus say about that now if we were to have a little bit more time in a a smaller group i would ask you like what do you say what would you say and and we probably it'd be something along the lines of like well a common response is i don't i don't exactly know what i would say it's 2 a.m i've got a brand new baby at home i haven't slept in four months i I just like "Ah, i don't want to do this right now if we say i don't know after he just asked us i hear you're a follower of jesus what is that communicating to this person do you really actually follow him um again that authenticity thing you just completely, you're, you're a hypocrite. You said you follow Jesus. You don't know what he says. Um, he would say stop is a common answer. Stop doing drugs. Well, what, what, what view of God does that feed in this person? Rules, mean, earn your way. That's not, that's not the God that we claim to worship. It may be better for him not to, but Jesus would say stop. Uh, one, one person once said, like, I would tell him that, you know, Doing drugs is a sin, and Jesus died for his sins, so he could go to heaven and be with Jesus for all of eternity, cleansed of his sins. Okay, that is is that untrue? Did Jesus die for sins and you can go to? Heaven? But but again, answering each person, past, present, and future gospel. What words in that sentence does this person have no construct of, or definitely not believe? 
Sin? Yeah, what is sin? You don't get to define sin for me. Eternity, resurrection, heaven, God, you know? And, and so, like, it's... Paul talks about babblers, right? Or clanging cymbals, and sometimes it just it can sound like that. So here's what Nick did. Two, again, 2 a.m. Mm. He goes, I think Jesus would tell you that you're putting your hope in something that lets you down. And you know that it lets you down because you have to take a hit three or four times a day to keep your buzz. So I think Jesus would tell you he's a better place to put your hope because he won't let you down. Good job, Nick. Right? Like that's yeah. Now, now again, like is that the entirety of the gospel? No. And the guy, so far as I know, like didn't go flush his drugs, declare his need for Jesus, you know, and he's not a worship pastor now, kind of thing. But, but he did go. I've asked so many Christians that, and no one has said that to me before. And he goes, I'd love to keep talking to you about this. And they got fired the next day because he failed a drug test, so they didn't get to. But in that moment, there was some. Some hope spoken. And here, here's, here's all that, that we're trying to say. Is Jesus' joy to the joyless, and hope to the hopeless, and companionship and belonging to folks who are really, really lonely, and he's justice to those who have been oppressed, and he is salvation from those who are trapped in their guilt and sin. The past, the past part of the gospel really is true. Not, not trying to throw that out and just say, just focus on the present. Some of us get so trapped in things that we can't get out of that we need that past justification cross that frees us from that. He's, he's confidence to those of us trapped in desperate fear. So the future aspect of the gospel. And, and on and on and on and on and on. He's, he's an anxious presence for those who are utterly riddled with anxiety. He's the answer to the different hopes. He's the the diamond just keeps on spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. Yeah, Jerry. The image of uh, Jesus at the well mm-hmm. really resonates with yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And and also for her, he said the the woman at the well the story of that really resonates with a lot of people and it does. And also, Jesus talked about himself being good news to like a dozen, 15 other incidences in the gospel, and you know what he didn't do? Talk about it the same way that he talked with the woman at the well. Right? So the woman at the well, we know this story, and it seems like it's this really meandering conversation, right? Like, where can... She was looking for water, and a place to worship, and, like, sexual ethic, marriage ethic of the day. Like, they have this really strange conversation. You know what's at the core of it all? And this is, I know this because it resonates with me, satisfaction. She's utterly dissatisfied. Like, you read the story, it's like, I want to worship where the Jews worship. I can't. He's like, that's okay. Spirit and truth. It's coming. Um, I want water. Give me this water that I can thirst no more. She's either been let down by multiple husbands or has let down multiple husbands. Probably been let down the way that it worked. She'd been divorced multiple times. And so, if we read it that way, I love that you brought this up. Thank you. Ben and Jerry. This is Jerry. So, we, we, own, a, we own an ice cream place together. We learned behind. Anyway, dumb joke. Um, at the very end of that story, she goes, I know there's a Messiah coming. What's she say, Through the lens of satisfaction, what's she saying there? I know there's someone who can fix it. I know there's someone who can make it right. There's someone who can make it better. And, and it makes Jesus' words back to her all the sweeter because he goes, I am he. I'm the one who will satisfy you. Now... Jesus talked to the Pharisees very differently than he talked to the woman at the well, right? <laughs> Brood of vipers, millstones kind of stuff. But, but why? 
he loved them, and they, they're the ones who knew. Like, the questions that they were asking were very different than the woman of the world. Nicodemus, born again. There's a great book by a, a, a British guy named Jerem Bars that's called Learning Evangelism from Jesus. It's just like 12 or 15 different ways that Jesus shared the good news about himself. Differently. How? Because he's answering each person. And that's the point. Every time you see a diamond commercial on TV, it's always against a black background and it's doing what? It's always spinning. Why? Because every single angle looks nuanced and beautiful in a different way and sparkles in a different way. And the more of the diamond you see, the more it's supposed to make you go, I want that. One diamond, so many different angles, more and more and more beautiful. There's one gospel. There's so many different angles. And for me, if, if I only know how to share the gospel through the lens of satisfaction, because that's what clicked for me, then that's, that's great if you're also dissatisfied. But if you're generally satisfied but weighed down by some level of guilt and sin, then I don't know how to share the gospel with you. Um, if, if, you are, if you're someone who's just completely trapped in, in this specific spot, this specific angle, but I've only ever heard that, that I have to share these four verses with you, because again, let's call that one of the angles. Does it work? Yeah, God has saved, saved people through that a lot. That's one way to share the gospel. But if that's the only way I know to share the gospel, then that's great if that's the question you're asking in this moment. That's the authenticity, the knownness. The, can, you, can you know my heart and soul, not just my social media profile? The anxiety, the pace, the chaos. The gospel is really good news to those Every one of those things. But only if it's not just Jesus died so you could also be with him one day in heaven. That is true. What about today, though? Um, I want to close in just one second. Any, any thoughts, questions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm really glad you brought that. That was actually the very last thing I was going to say, so I'll just say it now, and then we can keep going for questions. So she said, like so having these conversations doesn't always lead to people coming to know Jesus. Is that fair? Is that fair for every generation? Yeah, and, and so what I want to free us of is, again, the same pressure that makes us feel like there's only one way to share the gospel. Um, I want to free us from a similar parallel pressure that says if they don't declare their need for Jesus, it doesn't count or doesn't matter. Because Paul talks about there's some who plant and some who water and some who get to be there for the harvest. Um, and I don't remember the stat, but it's something, and this is like uh, older generation, it's something like 7 or 17 times where someone has to hear good news to actually take it. Is it 7? It feels like it should be 7, because that's like a holy number and stuff. Yeah, so we're going to call it 7 for the sake of numerology. used to be 7. Now it's probably 40, which is another holy number. Um, but, but, joking aside, salvation is of the Lord. Hard stop. Like that's in Jonah overtly, it's in Romans overtly. There's nothing that we can say that can change hearts. And so we get to just be faithful and obedient and try to pray for open doors and follow the Spirit and trust that He's going to give us the right words, but we can't save people. And so I hope that's just a little bit freeing. And even if they don't respond, 
and, and we can miss this, anytime we get to speak some good news, we're also declaring it back to ourselves. Because um, you know what? We're lonely too. And we need to be reminded of our, our close companion. And we're joyless at times. And we need to be reminded of the joy. And so I, I hope that's a little bit freeing. Sharing the gospel is just as much for us as it is for others. And God will save. Yeah. yeah. I would want to encourage you to, if um, you went out and shared the gospel with somebody today and they made a decision to follow Christ, I think you'd come back in this room and talk about how the Holy Spirit moved. Yeah. While the Spirit was present after their heart, I don't think you'd come back and go, you should have heard how awesome I was. Yeah. <laughs> I, did so, I was so articulate. It was so amazing. Yeah. And I think you would give credit to the Holy Spirit in that yeah. So I want to set you free, too. If they don't, don't beat yourself up and go, I must not be doing it. Right. Yeah. That's good. Kevin, that's so good. Thank you very much for that. Someone over here. Yes. And I just want to bring it out more is that God calls us to be obedient. He doesn't call us to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll, I'll see that and, and raise you. A God also calls us all to make disciples. Like, you know, like there's folks who are gifted in evangelism, right? Like they walk into the room, the whole room is like, yes, I need. That's not most of us. That's not me. Um, and so I've had to like really press into this. God, we're all called to make disciples. He doesn't give us a quota, though. Right? And so, again, part of ours is, is going, okay, God, I'm praying for open doors. I want to walk through it. You don't have to get 20 today or you get fired or whatever else, right? And that's really good news. Um, yes? Can you give us the name of that British author that you just Yeah, Jerem yeah, Bars. It's the most British name that's ever been created. Jerem Bars. And the book is called Learning Evangelism from Jesus. So, Thank yes? You. How do you think we should treat like scientific proof of God? Because I know I, I go to University of Puerto Rico and mm-hmm. they always ask, like, how do you know? How do you know God's real? Because we can't see it. Yeah. So they always, they always land on that, you know? Yeah. Since they don't have the spirit in them, they don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so a specific question, how do you how do you uh, treat, like, scientific and evidence-based kind of things? Um, and to be fair, like, there's a, a vein of folks that have been taught to share the gospel through, like, I'm going to empirically prove to you why my intellectual God is better than your intellectual God or not God kind of thing. Um, those are folks that are not known for listening well very very often. Um, it's, it's, it's a hard question. And similar to what you're saying, like there's, there is this piece where like what is faith? It's, it's, it's believing that, it, that there is an ex- experience that we can't quantify specifically in this kind of stuff. And, and, and so like there's, I don't have an ability to answer like with all the nuance uh, of, of, of like what that would take, but I think the the general principles would be relationship, trust over time, um, and then starting to have, again, little drip, drip, drip conversations and go, God, every time I see this person, is it okay if I don't bring you up? And God will probably go, yeah, sometimes it's okay. And if you really care and, and have friendships, then you're also going to talk about other things and this sort of thing. And so I would, I would bet that, that if you, if you love like a certain individual gets to know them over time and whether it's through a really positive thing in their life or really negative thing in their life um, or whether it's just through questions that they're asking that that there could be open doors that come along where they'll need something that they can't see so you're saying they'll see it in me they'll see it in you 
and then if you're faithful and just paying attention and paying attention to the questions that they're asking, then there's often, not always, there's often a moment where they're willing to step into the unseen with you, if that makes sense. Yes? I have said an answer to that kind of question. Yeah. Yeah, I can't prove God to you. Help, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And for me, it's like when I'll ask them, like, are you seeking out a question or an answer, or are you wanting the truth? Hmm. Like, seeking an answer or wanting the truth? About eternity, if I'm believing God and you don't believe God right now and He's not real, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I live the good life. Yeah. So we both die in the end. You lose everything. I gain everything. Yeah. So you have a problem with your eternity. Yeah. Mine want to study into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because again, salvation's of the Lord, and so it's got to be on you. So yeah. Anyway, I want to I want to close us with kind of one one conversation. Yeah. Last thing. And then we got to wrap up. Yeah, I mean, if you really need to wrap up with mass. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, hopefully, it's coherent. But like, <laughs> that's how I felt for the last hour. So yeah, we're good. <laughs> uh, so I have like, a lot of students who, and this is really just the like the wave of the culture is like truth is very subjective, right? It's based on preference and feeling. Yeah. And so, how do you walk alongside and disciple students who are like kind of treating Christianity like it's a la carte, right? Like, yeah. I just I choose this, yeah. like this, but not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, how do you teach them that? No, like the whole picture. Yeah. Uh, of it all yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah. It's Perfect. Really good. Yeah. And that's why, and I hope you've, you've seen this through this through this whole conversation we've had, is some of it is cutting through Christianity and getting to Jesus. And here's who Jesus says that he is. Here's how Jesus models his life. And sometimes it involves apologizing for what people perceive to be true of Christianity. But then if we're believing that this is who Jesus is and we're trying to follow him, then in the midst of owning our own failures in that, kind of going like, hey, despite what you may see, whether it's your experience or just the news or whatever else, we're not calling you to Christianity as a faith or construct. We're calling you to a person. And yes, he happens to have other people that it's, it's, it's designed for you to walk with as you pursue this person. But let's go to, let's go to the person and see who he says he is and see who, see what he modeled even if it looks different from, quote-unquote, the church. Is that yeah, helpful? Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so uh, it, it's, it, it is good news. <laughs> it's good news for Gen Z. It's just complicated. But it's also good news for you. And again, like my, one of my, my prayers for you and this whole conference is that, yeah, we'd be thinking about church, and maybe there would be even be some redemption and reconciliation of some brokenness that we've seen in Jesus' followers. But my deepest hope is that we would walk out of here going, I love Jesus more, and and I, I see even more how how he is good news for Generation Z, for Generation Alpha, which is the next one. Um, for I know, there you go. Uh, for millennials, for Gen Xers, for Boomers, for whatever else is before that, like that that he's good news for all of us, and yet it's it's just as complicated in some ways for every generation. So I just want to pray, God, would you open doors? Um, help us to, to declare the mystery of the faith. God, help us to make it clear. Help us to pay attention to know specific questions that individuals within Gen Z and that a generation as a whole are asking. We can't do it. We need your power. Amen? All right. If you want the slides, you can email me there. Um, and.
were required at the very end of the session say like, hey, I've got a couple resources. So if you want this, equippinggroup.com has some other stuff. And if that would be helpful, great. But thank you very, very much for spending time. Thank you for listening to this Exponential podcast episode. Visit Exponential.org for more resources and join our community of like-minded leaders, pastors, and planters who believe in healthy multiplication. Thank you.